Thank you, everybody, for coming out. David G., alcoholic addict of many sorts. Grateful to be here. Grateful to be everybody. Wow. So, uh, wow. Thank you, Beth. Thank you so much for your service here tonight. Ashley and Miss Rhonda, it's definitely a blessing. If you missed our 42-week, I think it was 42 weeks, maybe more, uh, series on the big book where we went in-depth from the title page to page 164 and really breaking down that book and and looking at the principles and, and the way that they were originally written and how we apply them within this lineage. If you missed that, I really encourage you to join the High Road to Freedom, which that WhatsApp group link will be coming up at the end. And there on the link tree that Ashley has created, you would be able to download all the recordings and different things that we do. It's really a great honor for me to, to do this. Uh, after that was over, I was like, wow, what a wonderful break this is. It was, uh, introduced in a short time that maybe we should do the traditions uh the traditions to be honest with you is really something that a lot of people don't study including myself no matter how long we've been around we know the traditions and we pretty well know how to apply them but as far as doing a study on them you know uh i haven't been to very many of these to be honest with you and um and so as i thought about these things and um considered it in prayer and and of course talked with the boss here you know, we decided that Tuesday night would be a good night to continue uh, looking at the traditions. Now, the way I do that is is the way that I do the big book. I like to look at what is written, not my idea about what is written, but what is written. And I like to take that and I like to apply it in all areas, not just with the group. I have found the trail traditions to be very, very powerful in my relationships mainly in my marriage, in my relationships with my coworkers, and my relationship with God even. I've learned how to use the traditions to come closer to this contact, this power that is greater than self. Now that we know that through our work in the big book, that self is the underlying problem of all things. Without that information, I can apply the solution all I want, but for some reason, I'm still hung up in life. I might not be drinking or drugging or acting out, but I still have depression. I'm still hungry a lot. I'm still angry a lot. I'm still discontent. I'm, I'm you know, I'm making decisions based on self and I'm still getting myself into trouble uh, in other ways. The traditions brings all of this together for me. And it, it's been a beautiful thing. Now these were written in the 1940s by Bill Wilson. <laughs> A lot of people say that, you know, Bill Wilson, you know, he wrote the traditions. He didn't write the steps in this and this. I go by what the book says and I go by what Alcoholics Anonymous says. And it's very clear. We'll see here tonight. Bill Wilson wrote the 12 and 12. And this comes some years later after he had went into a deep, dark depression, which was nothing new for Bill. He did that quite often. He fell into a deep depression. And at that time, he wrote the 12 and 12. Dr. Bob would not give his blessing on the on the uh on the 12 and 12 at that time he felt like he wanted to wait to be able to hear from spirit i kind of see that relationship with myself and uh one of my brothers on here dennis i hope you don't mind me calling you out here brother but dennis is more like bob and i'm more like bill by god i'm ready to go right now and he wants to wait and pray and do these kind of things you know but um it turned out to be a very beautiful thing. Now, these were accepted by the first international conference, which was held in Cleveland in 1950. Our big book's very clear about this. Now, the 12 steps were written for the individual. The, the traditions were written from for the group. Now, this is very clear in the forewords. If you study the forewords in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, you will see this. Now, the underlying concept of tradition one, of course, is going to be unity. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon a, a unity. And we'll break that down quite a bit. Now, anytime that I am in self, I'm in the bondage of self. All I can see is separation. There's you and there's me. There's them and there's me. There's I see separation all the time. Once I have an experience through the first seven chapters of the big book, by then, way before then, I've already begun to see conscious unity. Chuck C. said it this way, which was Chuck Chamberlain, one of the old, old members of Alcoholics Anonymous, very, very wise man. He said it this way. He said, there's only one problem, and that's conscious separation. He said, there's only one solution, and that's conscious unity. 
And any time that I have unity in my consciousness with the spirit of the universe, then I'm going to have unity with you and I'm going to have unity with others. But until that happens, I'm still going to be bounded by self. So the underlying concept of tradition one is unity, being of service to other people. It promotes sobriety, doing for others. We know that we have to give it away in order to keep it. So anytime we do that, we practice unity. Now, tradition is a belief or it's a behavior. That's the way it's explained. Unity, it denies self-interest. It, it just does. If I'm in brotherhood with, with my brother Jake and Danny and all these other guys, then, you know, there's not a lot of room for self-interest. When these men call and ask me for help to walk them through the process, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and many other that are on this call tonight, I don't ever really think, you know, I wonder what I could get out of that. You know, I mean, that just doesn't occur to me today. My first thought is you bet, but there's some things we're going to have to do. And if you're not willing to do that, then we're not going to do this. And so I, it denies self-interest that happens automatically today. That's not something I'm, oh, hell, I need to do that. So that way I can stay out of self. That might've been the way it was in the early days but it's not that way anymore. I embrace others today to keep sober and it promotes love for myself, the true self, not self with small s. You know, during addiction, we push others away here. We care for others and they for us. And that's unity. That's what unity is. So, you know, it was written to address various questions that arose among AA groups in those days. Like, for instance, step six and seven, there's only a couple of paragraphs on that in the big book about Alcoholics Anonymous. So Bill was asked, hey, can you give us a little more explanation on step six and seven to help us? All right. And so in the steps, he did that. Now, you'll notice in the first step, it says we admitted we were powerless over alcohol or whatever your addiction may be. Their lives have become unmanageable. The first word in our tradition, at least this one, is going to be our, our common welfare. So we see that we and our really has no place for I. My daughter once said to me, Dad, there is no I in team. There is no I in we. And she knew nothing of the traditions, but she explained it pretty good that day. And so it was a very beautiful thing to, to watch So, or to hear. So with that being said, why don't we crack open the book? Because I could sit here and shoot the breeze about this from now on, but I would like to go to the very front of the book. Let, let's go past the contents. And I just want to briefly touch on the introduction and the forward to this book. Introduction. Alcoholics Anonymous first published the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions in 1953. Bill W., who, along with Dr. Bob S., founded Alcoholics Anonymous in 35, wrote the book to share 18 years of collective experience within the fellowship on how AA members recover and how our society functions. Now, in the recent years, some members and friends of AA have asked if it would be wise to update the language idioms and historical references in the book to present a more contemporary image of the fellowship. I believe this is the reason that it was written. Not only that, but it was divinely inspired. Inspired. However, because the book has helped so many alcoholics find recovery, there exists a strong sentiment within the fellowship against any change to it. And if you drop to the bottom, it, it says the text in the book, the 12 Steps, 12 Traditions, written by Bill W. So I'm not going to argue that with anybody here. If anybody feels that that was done a different way, that's your opinion. I'm going by what it tells me right here. Written by Bill W. Remain as is, recognizing the fellowship's feelings that Bill writing he retained as originally published. So the foreword says Alcoholics Anonymous, a worldwide fellowship of more than a hunk the 100,000 alcoholic men and women who are banded together to solve that common problem help, help fellow sufferers in recovery from that age-old baffling malady, alcoholism, and as we know today, many other addictions. Now that's unity. If you look at that underneath, what underlies all of that, that paragraph, that's unity. This book deals with the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Alcoholics Anonymous. It presents an explicit view of the principles by which AA members recover and by which their society functions. That's the 12 traditions. 
Now, we know there are 36 spiritual principles to recover by. Now, you may walk in and somebody's saying, no, that's not true. There's only 12 steps. But you got to remember there are 12 traditions and there are 12 concepts. There are not 12 spiritual principles or 24 to recover by. There are 36. And we just did 12 over over 42-week period out of the big book. And however long this may take on this, which I'm sure is going to be longer than expected, one a month or whatever, um, we're going to see the other 12. So AA's 12 traditions apply to the life of the fellowship itself. Now, we're going to look at it a little more in depth, as we always do. We're not only going to look at it at the fellowship of whatever 12-step program we're part of. Of course, we're going to do that. But we're going to want to look at how, how can I use this in my home? How can I use this in my work? How can I use this in recovery with the people that I sponsor? The book here says they outline the means by which AA maintains its unity and relates itself to the world about and the way it lives and grows. Now, it was said in, at that first international conference in 1950, there were about 3,000 people who were in attendance at that. Now, you got to think about for that time, 3,000 alcoholics coming together without a damn fight, without the police being called for whatever reason, like we always do. If the spirit of unity among those members were not there, that would have never happened. That would have been a fiasco. And it would be that way with us. I really don't know of anybody that is out of unity with the high road to the U new freedom group that we're all a part of most all of us we are a fellowship who really love our members and we want to see each other recover by the way that it was written in the book so we could go on with the forwards forever but tonight we're going to be looking at tradition one which in my book is on page 129 now it may be different in yours this is an older book but I want to start with, with some of the literature, and I want to share some experience as we go along. And at the very end, I want to take a look at some questions, and not only me ask myself, but you ask yourself, have I been in violation of this tradition without even knowing it? Let's take a look. Tradition one, our. Biggest word there, our. If there's our, there's unity. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon AA unity. If there was no fellowship whenever I walked in in 1994, if there was no meeting there that night, I don't know what would have happened to me. I really don't. But those people brought me in. They loved me. They told me it was okay. We don't care how you talk. We're kind of scared of you, but not really. But they loved me and they welcomed me into the group and I became a part of that. And I tell you, for me, that's something that I had never had all the years that I'd been to jail and, and all the things that had went on in my past. I never really had that kind of unity like I felt from, from the group at that time. So I'm very grateful for the unity of Alcoholics Anonymous and the way it was back then. Now, whenever I look at this in my marriage today, our common welfare, not just mine, but ours, mine and hers, should come first. Personal recovery, personal recovery at the level of this relationship depends upon unity, not AA unity, but unity of the spirit. So if I'm looking at this in that context, then I, I see how I can better apply this tradition under my own roof. It says the unity of Alcoholics Anonymous is the most cherished quality our society has. That's a pretty bold statement, because if you read in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and it's early on here, and I think it's on Roman numeral, page 29, and if, if, if you have your big book, I would encourage you to take a look at that with me for just a second. Um, let me make sure that, that I'm correct here. I'm not really that great with uh, Roman numerals, but... Roman numeral 29, XIX, which is in the forward to the second edition. And if you look at the, 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 the second to the last paragraph, the, the full paragraph, which states, this substance was of, th this was the substance of AA's 12 traditions, which are stated in full 
on page 561 of these books. Though none of these principles had the force of rules or laws, they had become so widely accepted by 1950 that they were confirmed by our first international conference held at Cleveland. That's where I got that information from a little bit ago. But it says today, the remarkable unity, this is tradition one of AA, is only one of the greatest assets that we have. See, it's not the only asset that we have. It is one. There are three areas of that triangle. One is unity, one is recovery, and the other is service. We need all three of those to be in order in order to really have that the circle of wholeness of the spirit within. So the big book says something a little different than that says. It says today that is one of the greatest assets we have. And on the 12 and 12, I had just read right there, it said the unity of Alcoholics Anonymous is the most charitable quality that our society has so i'm not really going to argue that one way or the other i just know for me that's only that's only one asset the unity because if i'm new i need that so bad i need that love that you guys give me but there's going to come a time when that's not going to be enough i'm going to have to reach a little bit deeper into the well in order to uh, recover emotionally and that is going to be beyond what uh, unity can give me so <clears throat> There I began to learn about the unity of the spirit. Our lives, not just mine, our, the lives uh, of all to come, depend squarely upon it. We stay whole or AA dies. What a promise. Now, remember in the big book, you know, it says we either hang together, we die separately. It's saying the same thing here. Either AA stays whole, we stay whole, or AA dies. So... Without unity, the heart of AA would cease to, to uh, beat. That's a promise in this book. And so it tells me right here in that sentence what the heartbeat of Alcoholics Anonymous is. It's the unity. Our world arteries would no longer carry the life-giving grace of God. His gift. I love working, looking at these two words. His gift. Because that's exactly what it is. His gift to us would be spent aimlessly back again in their caves. Alcoholics would reproach us and say, what a great thing AA might have been. Now, I was a rebel from hell when I came in to Alcoholics Anonymous in 1994. I was crazy, dangerous. I just, I should have been anywhere but there for sure. But thank God I was there. And someone had told me that Alcoholics Anonymous was about singleness of purpose. And that anything that violated that singleness of purpose had to go. Now, I, be I believe that in certain close groups of Alcoholics Anonymous today. But my mind took that and ran off with like, you can't talk about anything in here except for alcohol. And if you do, you violated this tradition. And I was a hellraiser about that. Now, I don't feel that way anymore after I got beat pretty hard in, in uh, 2019. Uh, from the lust and acting out the other things, you know, I come back and looked at unity a little bit different and looked at things a whole lot different. When I think about outside issues, which we will study later on in tradition 10 of this book, I don't look at it as drugs and alcohol and lust and sex. I look at it as politics and religion and different things like that's what I look at as outside issues today. I don't really look at the other. So if it's a closed group, then I'm going to talk about alcohol. If it's an open group, then I'm going to talk about the things I talk about. But no matter what I talk about there, when I talk about recovery, our common welfare should come first. Then I have I have uh, denied self. So our book says that we may certainly answer this question with a loud no. We believe there isn't a fellowship on earth which lavishes more devoted care upon its individual members. Surely there are none more jealous who which more jealously guards the individual's right to think, talk, and act as he wish. And thank God for that. No AA can compel another to do anything. Nobody can be punished or expelled. Now, I felt quite different in that in, in 2019, and rightfully so. I had started some behaviors inside of that group that needed to be addressed. And they were after a period of time. And, you know, I pretty much walked away from that group and, and never went back. And so... There can be a whole lot of disunity in a group from somebody who is in active addiction and carrying that disease inside of our fellowship. If we don't have the, we'll say, guts 
to stand up and tell that member, hey, we love you and we want you to be here, but your behavior is unacceptable. And until you get that right, you might want to go somewhere else. Nobody ever done that with me. So today I see that that's the way that 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 whole situation should have been handled. Or I should have come back and said, look, you know, those words that we alcoholics hate the most, I was wrong. You know, I, I would do better with my behavior. And but that's not the way it happened. So there was no unity. And as a result of that, the, the entire group split. So <clears throat> no one can be punished or expelled. I've got a friend on here right now who was told that they could not come back to a meeting because they had acted out at that meeting with one of the members and, and somebody had told them that they could not come back and not knowing any better, they never went back. But that's absolutely not the truth. No one can expel us here. No one can punish us or run us all. Self does a pretty good job of that. We, we don't do that, self does it. And, and the insanity is we think it's everybody else. So our 12 steps to recovery are suggestions. The traditions which guarantee AA's unity contains not a single don't. They repeatedly say you ought, but never you must. And I want to remember that always with any fellowship that I, that I walk into. To many minds, all this liberty for individuals spells sheer anarchy. Every newcomer, every friend who looks at AA for the first time is greatly puzzled. Let's look at some of the fruits of the spirit versus the fruits of self. We see liberty. That's a fruit of the spirit. Virgin only license on license, yet they recognize at once that AA has an irresistible strength, purpose, and action. That's fruits of the spirit. How they ask, can such a crowd of anarchists function at all? How can they possibly place their commonwealth for first? What in heaven's name holds them together? When we design, deny self and we accept the power greater than self, then all of this comes together for us. We don't have to go looking and trying to figure out how to do it at once. This seems to take hold for us. Those who look closely soon, not after a while or not in a little bit, or maybe discover it later down the road, those who look closely, and I think that's the problem. We don't really look at our literature closely enough to really know what it is that we're going to have to do to be productive members here. For me, somebody had just ran me through the steps and I felt like I'd worked the 12 steps, which at the time was enough to carry me not to drink that day and to move on past that. <clears throat> but what happened was I ended up with a rude awakening. There was no relief from the bondage of self at all. In fact, it manifested itself stronger and came at me in another direction. So when it says that those who look closely, I'm, I'm looking at this as our literature, as all of this, soon have the key to this strange paradox. The AA member has to conform to the principles of recovery. Look at this promise. Because his life actually depends upon obedience to spiritual principles. And if he deviates too far. And that's what self does. It consciously separates me from God and from you. And I will begin to talk smack about you. I will begin to resent you even inside of the rooms. Somewhere that I was so grateful to be a year later, I resented everybody in there. Started taking everybody's inventory. It was amazing how self had rebuilt itself. So our life actually depends upon obedience to spiritual principles. If we deviate too far, the penalty is swift. Sure and swift. He sickens and dies. That's a promise. That's a promise. At first, he goes along because he must. But later, he discovers a way of life he really wants to live. I want this way of life more than I want anything today. And I'm not just talking about the fellowship, hugs and holding hands and praying and stuff like this. That's all a wonderful thing. I want the way of life of the spirit. I want to walk in conscious unity with my creator. Because when I do that, then I deny self. And when I deny self, that allows you in. Now, there's a passage in our big book on page 55. It says we found a great reality deep down within ourselves. 
And if the great reality is deep down within me, then it's deep down within you. And if I hold you at a distance with resentment and fear or whatever that may be, then I hold the spirit, I hold that joy at a distance. Whenever I allow you in, whenever I pray for you, I forgive you, I work through this process, I see uh, my mistakes and I list them and, and all these things. All of a sudden, I have a different connection with you. I have a different feeling with you. I want to embrace, I want to love, I want to help. And that's what happens. <clears throat> I've denied self and I have begun to walk with spirit. So the book says this, moreover, he finds that he cannot keep this priceless gift and unless he gives it away, neither he nor anybody else can survive unless we carry the AA message. And for me, that goes much deeper than go to 90 meetings in 90 days, call me every day as your sponsor, you know, get a job, do this, do that. Uh, we're talking about something much deeper here. I tell my guys, I don't care what day you call yourself sober from whatever it is that, that you suffer from. I understand that that's an important part. And if that gets in the way of what we do, then we're going to have a different conversation. But I'm more interested in you awakening from self, because when you awaken from self, then none of that's going to be there to begin with. But if you make a mistake along the way and you've already beaten yourself down pretty bad like we do, and then the sponsor comes in on top of that and begins to beat you down, you should have knew better, you should have called me, should have done this, should have done that's a lot of self. So I don't do that with my guys. You can ask several of them that are on here. I just don't do that with them. So giving it away just doesn't mean that I carry you through the steps and I give it to you. And now it's gone. No, it means that I'll walk with you after you wake up. I remember Mike telling me <clears throat> whenever I uh, awaken, he said, there's going to be several of us that call on you to walk with you during this process because you're still new. You're still like a newborn. you he said this would be like us grabbing a hold of a toddler out of a dead sleep and just shaking him awake and then just walking away and leaving him be. It would scare the hell out of him. And that's kind of how awakening from self is. It scares the hell out of us at first because it's a completely different way of life. But then people begin to walk with it. They say, hey, where are you at with 10 and 11? What are you doing in your spiritual life? Where are you at with your walk? What's going on, man? Let me help you. Let me guide you. Let me show you what I've done. And I tell you, that takes a lot of that stuff away. And then I'm able to begin to start making that journey. So think at the bottom of page 130 here. Let's take a look at this last paragraph. So at the outset, how best to live and work together as groups became the prime question. Because you had one group that was right. One group that was wrong, according to the other one. You had all of these personalities conflicting with each other. The traditions wipes all of this away. So on the onset, how best to live and work together as groups became the prime question. And the world about us, we saw, and here's the key, sentence, personalities destroying whole peoples. And we still see that even today. The struggle for wealth and power and prestige was tearing humanity apart as never before. If strong people were stalemated in the search for peace and harmony, what was to become of our erratic band of alcoholics? Look at this promise. As we had once struggled, see, we don't do that anymore. If you're struggling here, we have a solution. We have a way out for that. I promise you we do. As we had once struggled and prayed for individual recovery. See, I used to just pray for me. Our book is very, <laughs> and very uh, to the point on this that we can pray for ourselves only if others are going to be helped. Now I do a lot of uh, native American ceremonies with the Indian sweats here in, in the Oklahoma area. And one of those rounds are, de are devoted to praying for yourself, but there's a catch. You got to be able to help somebody else through that prayer. And so I'm not going to shut anybody down if they're in there doing that, but don't expect the miracle and the blessing if you're praying just for yourself and then not be able to help others. So it says, just so earnestly did we commence the quest for the principles through which AA might itself might survive on the anvils of experience. The structure of society was hammered out. This has already been hammered out for us. It was pretty brutal for them. Countless times in many cities and hamlets, we reenacted the story of Eddie Rickenbacker and his courageous company when their plane crashed into the Pacific. Like us, they had suddenly found themselves saved from death 
And that's exactly what's happened to us here. They're still floating up on a perilous sea. It's almost like they'd went to a meeting. They're in the fellowship now, right? <laughs> so how well they saw in, in order to be able to see, there must be vision. There must be meditation. So they saw through their own destruction that their common welfare came first. That's exactly what happens to us here. None might become selfish of water and bread. Because Why? Because we need each other. Each needed to consider the, the others in abiding faith. They knew that they must find their real strength. And that's what we do in that darkest hour. 25 years sober, 2019, laying on the floor, begging God, begging God, man, help me, help me. I am so beat. I'm so emotionally, man, I, I don't know what's going to happen to me. I just don't know. In my darkest hour, I found my real strength right then. And when I did, I was able to carry this message and watch a lot of fellowships begin to turn back to the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and recovery therein. And this is the same thing they did. It said, and this they did in measure to transcend all defects from their frail craft, every test of uncertainty, pain, fear, and despair, and even the death of one. Thus it has been with AA. By faith and by works, we have been able to build upon the lessons of an incredible experience. That kind of throws out that theory that I hear all the time. God will take care of this. I'm just going to hang out. God's got this. God's got this. Everything I read relates right back to what I just read. It's by faith and by works, not just by faith. I had read there one time, I'd read another book where God had uh, worked for six days and created everything that there was. And on the seventh day, he rested. Not, I've never read anywhere else in any other book where he went back to work again after that. When we come back to Alcoholics Anonymous, there's somebody going to work. <laughs> but in my case, it hadn't been him. It's been me. So it says we've been able to build upon the lessons of an incredible experience. That's what's happened to me. And they live today in the 12 traditions of Alcoholics Anonymous, which God will and shall sustain us in unity for so long as he may need us. So I'd said earlier that I kind of wanted to throw out some questions just to ponder. I would like to do that. Remember tradition one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends. We're dependent upon that. Unity. Question one. Am I in my group a healing, mending, integrated person? Or am I divisive? What about gossip and taking other members' inventory? Anybody guilty of that here other than me back in those days? Mm. Number two, am I a peacemaker? Or do I like a little bit of chaos once in a while? If old boy says this to me, I'll tell you what I'm going to do to him. You know, I you know, still find myself caught up in that every now and again. Not very often, but now and again. Or do I, with a pious prelude, such as just for the sake of discussion, plunge into an argument? Sometimes, hell, there'll be an argument going on. It don't have anything to do with me, but I'm pretty sure I might need to get in there and kind of straighten that deal out a little bit or at least tune it up. That's insane. Am I gentle with those who rub me the wrong way or am I abrasive? I promise you, I'm still pretty abrasive at times. Question four, do I make competitive AA remarks such as comparing one group with another or contrasting AA in one place with AA or in another? Oh, I love that meeting over there, but stay away from that one over there, man. There's a bunch of sick guys over there that really ain't doing the book, they ain't doing this. That's not unity. That's not unity. Do I put down some of AA act activities as if I were superior and for not participating in this or that aspect of AA? I remember the group went on a fishing trip one time and I told them, oh, I can't go. I don't feel like going. Hell, they showed up out there and I, there I was laid up in the van with somebody else. <laughs> they were like, I thought, thought you couldn't make it. And it, it was just insane. Uh, am I informed about AA as a whole? Do I support in every way I can? AA as a whole or just for the parts I understand and approve of? Do I really read and study these traditions or just talk about them every now and again whenever they seem to come up? Question seven, am I as considerate of AA members as I want them to be of me? That's a tough question. Do I spout preludes about love while indulging in secretly justifying behavior that bristles with hostility? Ugh. Do I go to enough AA meetings or read enough AA literature to really keep in touch? 
do I really do that? Or do I just go with what I've heard in the flow? Seems like we do that in a lot of meetings, you know. Do I share with AA all of me? The bad and the good, accepting as well as giving the help of the fellowship. I didn't do that for 25 years. Today, I'm asked to speak at a lot of conferences, to do a lot of big book studies, to do a lot of these kind of studies. And I'm a wide open book with that. It's pretty ugly at first talking about it. I was invited after my second year of all of that, being free from all that behavior, of free of self. My sponsor at the time, named Mike M. from Cedar Rapids, Iowa, said, I want you to speak for the Cedar River Roundup at our conference this year. <laughs> I said, I don't think that's a good idea. He said, I really didn't ask a whole lot about what you thought. This is what I'm telling you. And I said, man, I don't know how to tell my story anymore. Hell, I've lied so much. I don't know how to tell my story. And he said, well, you might already leaned into God and figured out. And that's what I did. I leaned into God, scared as hell. Because I hadn't been around AA in two years. I'd been to other fellowships, but not AA. I shied away. And I stepped in there and told the truth about what happened to me without going into great detail and general way. I shared about what happened to me. And man, I tell you what, people from all over attracted to that message. They were like, good God, I'm suffering from that too. I'm suffering from that too. So everywhere I go, as time has went on, that's been, that's been some years ago now. Everywhere I speak, I'm a wide open book about what happened to me inside the fellowship. I don't Five get into great. Minutes. Thank you. And I don't get into a lot of detail, but I feel that, that we do have to share the bad with the good here. If we really want to attract the member, the new man. I'll give you one example of a violation of tradition, one that happened to me, and I'll close with that. There was a young man in our group back at the Broken Bottle Group here in Oklahoma. Could not get sober. Could not get sober. I had sponsored the, the guy that was sponsoring him, and the guy came to me and said, man, I can't do anything with this guy. I don't know what to do. I've never worked with an alcoholic of this description. I said, hell, I can help him. And so, you know, the boy decided his, well, his wife decided he was going to treatment. And so he called me every night, every night. We read the book, read the book, work steps, work step. Read through, got him through, on up through in 30 days. You know, we got him to the third step, plunged him into the fourth. He had wrote it pretty good. We met and did a fifth step together. And he was, he was on his way. So I'll go back to the group and I say, all right, here's what I want to happen. We have monthly chair meetings that people that chair the meetings. But in the group conscience, it says that you must have six months of sobriety or more in order to chair one of our meetings. Well, he doesn't have six months, but he does. He has been through the steps and I want him to chair the meeting. And they were like, David, no, no. The group conscience is that he must have six months. I don't care. Well, they're like, hell, you're the one that pushed it. And I don't care. I want to change it because this is going to help this guy in his sobriety. And we're about helping, right? We want to help the guy. So long story short, hell, he drinks again. But they agree to it, and he drinks again. Now, there were a lot of people that were sitting there that were more than qualified to chair that meeting for that month and, and were willing to do it. But you see, I didn't think about the group's common welfare and what came first. I thought about me and I thought about my guy and I thought about what would happen to him and it would show them because I'd taken him through the steps and it would be better. And I pushed this and I was wrong and I had to go back and he crowed to the group and say, you know what? I was wrong and you were right. I violated that tradition and um, that won't happen again. So. I could go with story after story after story about ways of breaking a tradition, but anytime a group has a, its conscience set in place, who am I or who is it, anybody to come in and to try to change that? There's a story in We Agnostics. The man tumbled out of his knees. He fell, you know, he had an overwhelming spiritual experience. And it says he lived in conscious companionship with his creator. That's unity. When I am relieved from the bondage of self, 
and I tap into a power greater than myself and I begin to walk with that power, I have conscious unity with God. And by me having conscious unity with God, I have conscious unity with you. So our common welfare comes first, not David's, not Ashley's, not Dennis's, not Rhonda's, not Jason's. Our common welfare comes first as this group. Our very personal recovery definitely, definitely depends on it. So thank you very much for letting me share tonight and really glad to be here with you guys. This concludes David's share, but we encourage you to keep listening as he answers questions from the group and shares additional experience, strength, and hope. It's about the nine questions you might have uh, read at the end. I kind of got the first five or six words, but if you can kind of go through them slowly, that would be great. Number one, am I in my group a healing, mending, integrating person or am I divisive what about gossip and taking other members inventories nobody gets that right number two am I a peacemaker or do I with pious preludes such as just for the sake of discussion, plunge into an argument. Now, remember, if I do that, self is still very much running the show, whether I know that or not. That's not the question. <laughs> That's not attached to the question. That's my uh, discussion on it there. So number three, am I gentle with those who rub me the wrong way or am I abrasive? Number four, do I make competitive AA remarks? Such as comparing one group with another. or contrast in AA in one place with AA in another. Number five, do I put down some AA activities as if I were superior? For not participating in this, that, or that aspect of AA. I used to go to groups that would always have a raffle and I hated the raffle, hated the damn raffle. And I always had to buy tickets and do this. And I just always talking crap, you know, and that kind of runs along in the answers to that. Number six, am I informed about AA as a whole? Because AA for me, and this is not part of this question, but for me, AA as a whole is not only going to meetings, that's being of service. That's practicing recovery. 10, 11, and 12, you know, am I informed about AA as a whole, not only with the steps, but with the groups and with the rest of these traditions? So this question asks this after that, do I support in every way I can? AA. As a whole or just the parts I understand and improve of? Because if I do disapprove of something, I don't have any idea what I'm disapproving about. Well, we know that that's the bondage of self. That's separation. That's dishonesty. Number seven, am I considerate of AA members as, am I as considerate of AA members as I want them to be of me? Uh, these were things Mike made me write about. After we went through each tradition, he made me prayerfully come back and write about each one of these. And I tell you, there's quite an experience to be had here if we do that. Number eight, do I spout platitudes about love? While indulging in and secretly justifying behavior that bristles with hostility.
Number nine. Do I go to enough AA meetings? Or read enough AA literature to really keep in touch? Number 10. Do I share with AA all of me? The bad and the good. Accepting as well as giving the help of the fellowship. And that's the 10 questions. Yeah, thanks, David. I, uh, yeah, unity is the most cherished quality, that's for sure. And uh, when you were telling your story and you were talking about, uh, you know, then you read a little bit about the, the personalities, you know, and, and, and destroying lives. But, you know, when you were trying to put your sponsee into a position, you think that was a power, a, a, a personality and uh, in in, in putting him in uh as as a, as you got the power to put him in as a chairperson, and, and that would be prestige, you know. Because I think that uh, you know that's what a lot of uh, struggles are in AA. That we, uh, you know, we struggle for wealth, power, and prestige. And uh, Bill Wilson, when he wrote that, you know, he he's seen that. You know, people were struggling for for that. I'm sure, and. and in society and in AA, and they still are, I believe. And, uh, you know, you see it in, um, you know, the business meetings and so forth. And, uh, you know, it, uh, it is personality. I didn't realize that is personality, <laughs> wealth, uh, power and prestige, you know, and uh, we have to put principles before personalities. And so anyways, uh, you know, I, I that was good reading. I uh, appreciate your sharing your experience there. And uh, yeah, have a great day. Thanks. Yeah, I'd just like to say thank you, Dave. Thank you for sharing and thank you for being here tonight. You're absolutely right with that. It was all about ego and it was self. And, you know, bottom of page 53 of our big book says, without knowing it, had we not been brought to where we stood by a certain kind of faith, I always thought that was talking about faith in God, but I see that that's placing faith in the wrong direction, which is self. And there, you know, underlies everything that you described. So I was absolutely suffering from that at the time with like the book says, without really knowing it, I had an idea about it, but, you know, I had such a, a presence in the room or so I thought anyway, that, that people would really listen to what I say and, Hell, I'd be right, and I'd prove me wrong by even creating such a uh, thing to begin with. But none of that happened. What happened was he drank again. And, you know, I violated that tradition within the group, and I had to humble myself and go back and make a group for that. Yeah. So, so uh, I really appreciate how you brought that out. Yeah, great, great share. I, I learned something too, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, David. That was amazing. I appreciate your experience, strength, and hope tonight. It was very, very deep. I love tradition one as it's the cornerstone and all of the other traditions, two through 12, help make that possible. Um, I have to realize that that, that common welfare, um, it gives me an opportunity to deflate my ego, to really keep an eye out on that, to because the things that would affect the common welfare is how my ego and my self's will wants to get in there and start harming things. So tradition one for me um, gives me an opportunity to find ways to constantly see if it's going to affect the common welfare. That is my, that's my ego. And what's nice is I get to take this and, and apply it to my home as well. And those people around me that I, I consider the common welfare and the, and the unity because my, I need this group and you know, these traditions aren't there for a hammer for me to use on others. They're really there for me to submit myself and with the purpose of 
ways to just continue to deflate my ego and to make that sacrifice, that spiritual sacrifice, so that God can be in the center of that. So, David, thank you. And I can't wait uh, for next uh, three weeks from now. So thank you. And thank you, everybody doing service. Well, I just want to say thank you very much, Dennis T. You know, you've uh, you've a great understanding and application of the traditions. And uh, yeah, it's been a great journey in our lives together, for sure. Um, I know for a fact our common welfare comes first, you know, because of, of the great uh, rewards we've had in passing this along to others and seeing the spirit really have a lot of success in bringing people to uh, out of out of that sleepiness of self to the awakening of spirit so yeah it's it's really great you know uh some of the words in there that really i like but are common welfare you know and i like how it says it should come first it doesn't mean it always does but it should and so you know I, i'm grateful that ours has and uh we've got quite the group around us today compared to where we started at about four years ago so, so i love you man thanks for I love you too, David. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much, you guys. This is the first time I've been on um, um, this group's meeting, so I'm really excited to be here. And David, thank you, and for all of you who are ma helping make this happen. Um, I just, I wanted to ask you about, I, I guess I've not heard it, Fruits of Spirit. Um, when you, you referenced on page 130, um, Liberty Verging on License, I just, I really... Um, that phrase really caught me and I can interpret it the way I think I think what it means but I've not heard that so can you share a little more on that thanks yes ma'am absolutely and it's nice to meet you as well uh, um <clears throat> the the key there's about about five key words before that starts you know right after it says you know they see liberty virginal license but this is the key for me yet they recognize it once and in order for me to do that there must have been an awakening that take that has taken place otherwise i don't recognize that and if i do it's definitely not once it's much later after <laughs> afterwards but the fruits for me are are the irresistible strength purpose action these are these are the fruits of the spirit you know uh how can they possibly place their common welfare first while the heaven's name holds them together but then you know those four were those four next words i look at those words real closely those who look closely it doesn't mean everybody always does but those who do here's the reward soon have the key to the strange paradox member has to conform to the principles of recovery as life actually depends upon obedience to spiritual principles. Now, this is something we want, want to do. This isn't something we have to do. But if we don't do this, then you know they're pretty promised I'm gonna I'm gonna sicken and die and that's the fruits of self. So as I go through this study, at least you know uh, the way that I did in the big book as well. We're going to pick out a whole lot of those uh, fruits of the spirit and, and the fruits of self that really cause a lot of destruction because bad fruit and brings a lot of sickness. So anyway, hope that answers your question. Thanks, Linda.